Father, the news is so stinking good. It is so good. Teach us to rejoice. Teach us to to know what it means to, to weep because the news is so good. We get so much bad news that we weep over, but teach our hearts to rejoice over how good the news is. And if we're in this place and don't know how good it is, Jesus, introduce yourself to a whole bunch of people today. It's in your name we beg all of these things. Amen. Thank you guys for joining us, and uh, thank you, band, for leading. Um, Man, just sometimes uh, when you see the freedom of worship that kids express so easily, when did we grow up, you know? Like, when did we stop? (laughs) Okay, yeah. It really is good news. I promise. Uh, Yeah. But just that declaration of joy to the world, how we've allowed it to not really penetrate our own hearts. We've just said joy to the world, those people out there, but it can't really be for me. It can't really be joy to the world, like my world. Like... Right here, right now, for me. And the reality is, it's not true. And God proved his love for us in one amazing and powerful way that is good for all history. And that is through the cross. You know, it's amazing to me, the wisdom that can speak to our indifference. There are guilt trips that can be thrown on people. There are lists that can be given to cause you to start thinking and caring about other people Helen Keller said it this way. She said, science may have found a cure for most evils, but it has found no remedy for the worst of them all, the apathy of human beings. See, indifference isn't just not doing something. Like, in, There are times in life and history where it's good to not do something. You need to not do. But indifference is not caring. Indifference is seeing something that is significant, that should be significant, and and, and for today's context, the love of friend, neighbor, stranger, and enemy, for us to see that as insignificant and not worth our care, that is what the love of God speaks to. It shatters our ability to remain indifferent if we truly understand the love of God. Indifference is comfortable. And see, here's the thing. This is what's so dangerous about indifference is because if we're honest, we like not caring. I can tell you why we like not caring, because it's safe. Because if you extend care or you take a risk, you have that chance or opportunity of it being thrown back in your face. We want to remain indifferent because maybe you or I in this room have been wronged. And so we tried and then we we, we felt the rejection and we're just done with caring. Comfort, safety, and man, does indifference sound good when we consider all we have to lose. 
If all I'm concerned about is what I'm losing by extending love or care or concern for someone else, indifference, I'll keep your stuff together. Indifference keeps us from committing because indifference allows us to always be looking for greener grass somewhere else. See, indifference sounds good and is comfortable to our heart. And see, now with with social media, we have the opportunity to display indifference in a whole other way. We can actually display that we care as long as someone posts a picture of us showing that we care on the internet, through Twitter, through Facebook, posting a video of us showing that we care. But if if there's no one around to see that I care, I really don't care. It's all indifference. It's just masked and packaged a different way. But see, the love of God truly is the only way to break our indifference, truly. This can't be the case, you and I remaining indifferent as Christ's followers. Indifference is is the opposite of what the church displayed in the New Testament. Many of you know who the, the disciple John was. You know of his story. I mean, he referred to himself as the one whom Jesus loved. And that's not an arrogant statement, if you think about it. It's the most accurate statement he could have said of himself, correct? If the, if the scripture is true and Jesus does love us, he was singing, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Old, Old Testament tells me so. <laughs> but John was this man who was known as the son of thunder, who was like, Jesus, can we just please burn up these people who don't get it? Can we just call down fire and wipe them out? Can we just get rid of them? But at the end of his life, you hear a very different story. John, we, what we kind of know through from history is he hung out in Jerusalem after Jesus ascended for a while, and then at, they think around the time the temple was destroyed, he fled with a lot of other Christians, and he landed in Ephesus for a while. And Ephesus was a huge, busy, popular city trade route full of immorality, spirituality, superstition, and all this different stuff. And he found himself instructing the church under a time when teachers were showing up saying that, you know what, Jesus didn't really show up in the body. It was just kind of this ghost thing, maybe a phantom. There were some that said, well, you know, Jesus did exist. We've got to have an answer for how he actually did what he did. And so there were some who suggested that Jesus was a a man, but the Christ didn't show up in Jesus until the baptism. And then before the major suffering happened, the the Christ left Jesus' body. And so you know, this body died on the cross. God wouldn't actually die. And the reality is, John knew this Jesus. John knew this Jesus who came physically into the world to be around physical, sinful beings, but he himself be without sin. John was someone who knew this love, and he knew this, this person of Jesus that existed in history, that watched him live a very real life, die a very real death, and raise from a very real grave. And he's saying to the people in his letters to them later, is we want you to experience the joy that we have experienced from knowing Christ personally. But that love that we experience doesn't just stay in here. And that's something we've been considering as we've walked this season of Advent. We've, we've talked about how hope, peace, and joy display themselves. They don't allow for the church or for the Christ follower to remain seated on a yoga mat or out by a stream, isolated and by themselves. 
What happens is the supernatural transformation of a heart experiencing the love, the joy, the hope, and the peace that God himself gives us by knowing him shows up on the outside. And John in his letter in 1 John is an amazing picture of assurance. There were Christians struggling with the idea of, should I separate myself from everybody because they're wicked and they're sinful? Or wait, wait, am I not going to ever sin again? Or how is this working? If this Jesus shows up, how do I actually interact? And the reality was, John was saying, look, there will be telltales for you to know that you're his. And in 1 John chapter 4, listen to his words, dear friends. Let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. There are some people in life who, if you take a personality test, the first letter in your personality test is you're the get it doneer. You're the one who's like, I don't care. Don't ask questions. Let's just get it done. There's a task. I need to do it. I'm not that personality. You know what personality I am? Why are we doing this? Why are we doing this again? Why should I be charging up a hill? Why should I be running with you? Why should I be following you? I'm that guy. I'm the one who asks why we're doing what we're doing. And John does this in his letter here. He's not just saying, love people. He's actually going to give you the why and the how, which is a great team-building exercise. Why we're to love, but also how we are to love. John uses the word, little ones, dear brothers, let us continue to love one another. I love that he uses the word continue because that assumes there's going to be some roadblocks that are going to show up in our lives, that are going to cause us to want to stop. There are things, experiences, people, and circumstances that are going to show up in your life that are going to cause you to not want to love one another. John is saying, you can't do that. You can't be the church and not love one another. But he didn't just say you can't do that. He actually gave us the why and the how. In the following verses, if the scripture is true, love comes from God, and this is how and why we love each other. My experiences cannot form my opinion on what love actually is. My opinion, the culture, everyone else around me cannot form my opinion of what love is if I call myself a Christ follower because love comes from God. And here's the, here's the secret about this is God's not just really good at loving people. He's not just really good at it or something he's skilled in or that he's learning or he's growing in. You see, God is love. That's what the scriptures say. Now, that does not mean love is God. I want you to know that. Because when I say the word love and you say the word love, you could mean an affection. You could mean an emotion. You could use it talking to a taco. You could use it for so many different reasons That to say love is God is an inaccurate statement and they're not interchangeable in the scripture. But God is love, meaning he's perfect in his love. Meaning he's not growing in his love. He's not learning how to love. He actually doesn't lose any of his ability to love because of our behavior or whatever it is. He is love. And John says, because of our close proximity to Jesus, you and I will display this kind of love for friend, stranger, enemy. 
That's the why and the how. It's because you and I were strangers and enemies of God. And rather than doing away with his enemies and strangers, he made them friends. So in a way, he did get rid of his enemies and strangers, but he made them his friends. A beautiful picture of how and why we are to love in this reflective way. Love doesn't define God. God does define love. And this is the love of a unique, the unique love that a Christ follower displays. It is a divine love. It's not defined by our culture or what we think love should look like. Jesus gives very real instructions as to how we are to love. And this love battles indifference. It is more powerful than indifference. It is more powerful than not caring. Guys, I'm telling you, not caring is powerful. And it'll drive you, and you will live a life of not caring if you are not careful. And as the church, this is not who we are, according to John. John actually kind of, kind of throws the negative version out there and says, Look, if you don't love, you don't know God. That's hard. That's difficult. Because that makes me go, Well, Jesus, I'm good with loving friend. I don't, I'm not very good at loving stranger and enemy. If you don't love, you don't know God. Well, I can do two out of three. What do you say to that? Two out of three? Yeah? No? 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 Okay. No. But the reality is, for those who know him, and this is what I love, this is why I love how the Bible doesn't mince words. It doesn't say, for those of you who know about God, you will love people. The problem is, I think we have too many people who know about him. We don't know him. We don't know him as he wants to be known. Do you know that? Like, he wants to be known. That's why he gave us his scripture. He's not wanting us to be in mystery or in question or in fear of who he is. He gave us the scripture, but we've gone, you know what, God, we're going to try and find you other ways. And the reality is he gave us his word so that we would know him. Not in an intellectual way, although we will, because Jesus said to love him with everything. That includes your mind. I would appreciate it if more Christians would love the Lord with their mind. Keep them from saying a lot of things that they say with their mouth. But the beauty of the gospel is that God loved us in this way. He does not ask us to love this way without loving us this way. God's love moved and he acted Jesus clarifies in John chapter 13. He doesn't give us any wiggle room. I love that about Jesus because it makes me angry. I'm like, doggone it. You can't just make things up. In John 13, he says this. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. John 15, he repeats it. If Jesus repeats himself, pay attention. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Jesus didn't go, hey guys, it's about love. I want you to know that. He didn't just say it's about love because he knew we'd run with our own definition. Jesus said, I want you to love as I have loved you. And if you've ever read the scriptures, Jesus' love is out of control. It's, it's messy. He loves people who are broken as broken can be. He loves people who are in the thick of their sin. He loves the people who are angry at him. 
He loves the people who come at him and persecute him and try to take his life. And eventually we see him raised on the cross. Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. The love of Jesus is way different than my natural ability to love. And this is the love you and I are equipped with supernaturally by knowing him. Listen to Jesus' words in Luke 6. These words right here will shut down indifference. These words are for you and I to consider how we love friend, neighbor, and stranger. If you love only those who love you, which we're good at, why should you get credit for that? Ah, Jesus, why you got to say that? I'm good at loving people who love me back. That's easy. Sinners love those who love them. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners lend to those other sinners for a full return. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great. Where's the reward coming from? It's coming from our Father. And it matters most. And you will truly be acting as children of the Most High. For He is kind to those who are really thankful and say thank you a lot. Doesn't say that. It says He's kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate just as your Father is compassionate. God's love included action. And in the psalmist extremes words, more than words, is all I want to hear from you. I'm not going to sing it. I can't. I don't have anybody to harmonize with me to sing it, but they were on to something because you and I, we're good at faking, aren't we? We can say a lot of words, but not mean any bit of it, right? We can play the game. We can speak the language. We can say the words, but not mean any of it. But thankfully, God did not do that. God meant what he said, and I love you, and his actions proved. He gave his one and only son so that you and I would gain eternal life. God really didn't get anything out of the deal because he's not lacking in anything, but we gained the world because of what Christ has done. As the band comes and we conclude our time together, as a dad, one of the things that I'm continually praying and speaking over my kids is God, thank you for loving us first. It's become a prayer I want to be very good at saying because I know that I'm tempted because of circumstances, people, interactions, situations. I can be very tempted to think that God does not love me. But I will never know God's full love for me if I don't, if I, if I refuse to look at the cross. The cross is the ultimate definition and picture of love. And for you and I to love fully. We cannot try to define love without the cross. We've tried to. We've tried to remove the cross and we've tried to talk less about Jesus and the reality is it's not fueling a church that loves in this way. But for us to love in the way Jesus loved involves us knowing this Jesus. And so I pray this prayer for my kids and I remember when Zeke was about four or five and the neighborhood kids were over in our yard and uh, I was sitting on the back porch just watching because it's older neighborhood kids and my kids, but they're, they've got a trampoline in the backyard with a net, and so all the kids want to come over. And I remember them, before they got on the trampoline, for some reason, Zeke just said out loud, hey, do you guys know what the cross means? 
as a dad, here you go. You're like, what have I said? What have I taught him? What have I explained to him? What has he caught? That's the thing. What has he picked up on? And in simple four- or five-year-old terms, they were like, no. And Zeke was like, it means God loved us first. And those kids, they were like, cool, can we jump on the trampoline now? He was like, yeah, let's go. But 1 John 4 says it this way, we love each other because he first loved us. The power of the gospel is that you and I don't have this ability to love in us. It is not natural. It is not what we do to earn his love. It's actually everything he gives us in relationship and knowing him. So loving friend and stranger and enemy is possible because he loved us as strangers and enemies. If God had remained indifferent, you and I would still be dead in our sin. If God had said, you guys aren't going to appreciate my son, so I'm not giving him to you. If God had remained indifferent, we would still be separated and lost, not able to know hope, joy, peace, or love. But because God gave of himself, we now know those things. Not know about but we know those things. John, as he aged in Ephesus, the story goes, Jerome, the church father, said that John often was so old and was unable to speak for long periods of time, there would be people who would carry him out in a chair, set him down among the people, and he would say this, little ones, love one another. And then they would carry him out and walk him off. And when people would get frustrated that he kept giving the same message over and over, they'd be like, why does he keep saying the same thing? John's response to them was, they were our Lord's words. If we do those, we can't go wrong. Basil Hume put it this way, most Christians find it easier to believe that God exists than that God loves them. It does not surprise me that John was known as the disciple whom Jesus loved, and that's all he could talk about. To know yourself as the one whom Jesus loves, the one whom Jesus has given up everything for, is to respond and say, that's the kind of love I get to show the world. And now what do we do with this love? In the Christian world, there's these phrases, accepting Christ, receiving Christ. And and I know sometimes we're like, I don't know what that means. No, you know what it means. You accept stuff every day. You accept people's words about you. You accept teachings. You accept media. You accept all sorts of things. And you know what that means? You're just going, gimme, gimme, gimme. I want to put it in my hands. I want to put it in my hands. I want to believe it. I want to listen to it. I want to hear it. And the reality is when you accept what Christ has done on the cross, what you're saying is I'm putting down the words, the world, my ideas, what I think about you, God, what I think about myself. And Jesus, if you say you love me, I believe you. Jesus, if you say you're Lord, I believe you. And the result, according to John, is as you know that the love of God is displayed through you. The love of Christ on the cross displayed for us does battle against indifference. A baby coming in a manger, pointing to a cross, pointing to a very real resurrection is the way that lack of care or concern in our heart is actually gone to battle against. You and I have the how and the why to love as Jesus loved in the cross. 
Jesus came into this world physically to deal with our sin and unbelief, but in the same breath, you and I are able to talk about feeding those who are hungry, clothing those who are naked, visiting those who are in prison. We can talk about both in the same breath because that's what Jesus came to do. May we be a people who don't let indifference drive, but would the love of Christ compel us to love as he has loved us. This morning we're going to close our time in worship and in communion. And around the room you're going to see some folks holding a plate with some cracker bread and a goblet of juice. As Christ followers, this is what we do to be reminded of the faithful promise, the love of God. The Bible says that when we take this meal, we're declaring Christ's death until he returns. What we're saying is Jesus is enough when we take that bread and juice. And we need to be reminded of it all the time. When we do it together community because we need to see others doing it saying man Jesus is enough we need to do it to be reminded to see that Jesus is enough and so in this time if you're saying Jesus is enough we invite you to take this meal if you want to observe and just keep watch that's fine you can do that too and if you're like I've got questions about this Jesus faith concept I I just need to grab someone and talk we're available for that as well But if the story of Jesus coming in a manger points to him dying on a cross, points to him raising from the dead, points to him returning, then we have much to be joyful over in this season. Father, thank you for loving us. And I just ask that in these moments, you'd give us what we need. You'd speak. We'd hear your voice and we would respond. We would be soft to your leading. And Lord, as we deal with our indifference, even as we go take this meal, even as we go and take this meal, we know you died on the cross even knowing we would be indifferent to things. You would know we would not care for friend, stranger, or brother, or enemy. We would not care about those things because we're so wrapped up in ourselves, but yet you still came at just the right time and died for us while we were sinners. Thank you for the promise of new life. In Jesus' name.